Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B podcast, brought to you as ever by Lead Forensics. I am your host, Joe DiCaro. This episode of Essential B2B is the audio from our recent webinar, How Marketing is Losing You Deals You Should Be Winning and How to Fix It. For this, I was joined by Matthew Yankis-Green, Head of Agency Insights at Account Insight. We dive into why assuming that having a great product or service is flawed and discuss the importance of brand awareness in closing deals. So without further ado, here is Matthew Yankis-Green on Winning Back Those Deals. Matthew, let's jump straight into uh, into this discussion. What is the biggest mistake in B2B marketing that companies make, do you think? Well, I think that obviously, I mean, B2B marketing is it's constantly evolving and changing and, and there are new tactics coming up. And at the moment, intent is a, a massive topic. You know, it's very on-trend. Um, there are tons of intent tools out there that can tell you which companies, which accounts are most interested in your product or service. But the mistake that a lot of um, companies are making at the moment is that they are taking this intent information and they are focusing all of their efforts on the companies that are allegedly most interested in their product and, and forgetting about all of the ones who are not ready to buy yet. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it later as to exactly why that's a mistake, but that's that's the big mistake that's being made at the moment. Okay, well, to that end then, how how should intent be used in, in marketing then? Well, I mean, the, the intent is very valuable. So let me let me just start there and not say that I'm saying don't use intent. Intent is great. Intent is wonderful. <laughs> but don't forget about the the people who, who aren't showing intent yet. Basically, what studies have shown is that um, if you have your, your total list of companies that you wish were clients of yours, so let's say you've got a, a hundred companies, make it nice and simple, only 10% of those companies are even considering moving over to um, a new product or a new service or, or a new solution that could be the one that you offer. Um, but the other 90% um, should not be forgotten. Essentially, when a company is choosing a new provider or a new solution, what they will do is they will sit down and they will kind of make a list of potential options to choose from. So they'll be like, okay, so who are the top three providers um, for the solution that we're looking for um, that we know of? And they'll make this list by hand off the top of their heads. Then they'll go away and they'll do some research and they will look at, okay, so these are the companies that we know about. Who are their competitors? Who are other companies um, that offer similar solutions? And I'll come to a list of, of about 10. So it typically starts with about three. It then expands to about 10. And then they start to kind of compare all of these 10 to kind of see which one will best meet their needs. And almost 100% of the time, the company that gets chosen is one of the three that were called up, you know, off the top of the head at the beginning of the conversation. So if you are waiting, if you are targeting the companies that are ready to purchase and forgetting about the ones that aren't, you're already too late. So if you are not one of those three that come to mind immediately, then your competitors have already gotten in there. Gotcha. So uh, what, what sort of tactics can you em employ then to, to try and boost your chances of being in those top three? 
So, I mean, I mean what we typically do um, as, as what I call a, a standard campaign, obviously, um, there are different requirements for different clients and different um, industries that can make things quite complex. But if you boil it down to its simplest form, what I would recommend is that you, you have your list of accounts, your, the companies that you want to target, and you target all of them at once. And then you monitor them and you kind of identify their intent from there. So you'll see which companies are clicking on your ads, which companies are visiting your website, which companies are consuming content about your brand or about your type of product, and then shift those companies into a separate campaign where you can perhaps have a stronger call to action. Um, basically, maybe focus on a specific product that they've shown interest in, but don't forget about the ones that aren't ready yet. So you have two campaigns running alongside each other, the one where you target everybody so that when they get to the point of um, making a decision or kind of starting to investigate making a decision, you're one of the first ones that come to mind. And then once you've come to mind, you start targeting them with um, more impressions, get your brand out there in a stronger way. Um, and then, yes, then you've got the edge over your competition. So, what, so what, as, as you mentioned, sort of um, brand awareness campaigns, that sort of thing, getting your name out there. What, yeah. what, what exactly do we mean by a generic brand awareness campaign? And how can that help increase your, uh, your, your share of mind? Well, I suppose that it, it, it also depends on um, the budget that you have at your disposal. But let's take the, the simplest form, which is also typically the, the most affordable form. And that would be a brand awareness campaign where you just want to get your your logo out there, get your company name out there, get a good idea of what your value proposition is. Um, it's got to be clear as to what you actually offer. So it can't be too, too broad or too, you know, it can't just be your logo on a solid background. You need to give some sort of insight so that when um, when the companies that you're targeting are thinking about the types of solutions that you offer, your name comes to mind. So it's got to be a little bit informative, mostly brand, but you don't have to have too strong of a call to action. You can have a call to action, but it's not the, you mainly want to be seen rather than generate clicks or, or things like mm. that. That's a secondary um, benefit. And then once, once you've kind of identified the, the accounts or the companies that you want to target more strongly, you can then put a stronger call to action in. Um, and if you've got the budget, you could identify which companies are interested in which products and put them, if you've got five products, have five separate campaigns, one for each product, and then you can focus, you know, so that you're actually tailoring your advertising to the needs of the companies um, that you want to kind of get on board. So you mentioned there, like if, in, in the case of having some budget behind it, are there any tactics that you could recommend that require zero budget? Um, not not really off the top of my head. I mean, you could you see even even attending um, attending conferences costs something. You could do some LinkedIn sure. um, outreach, some social media, um, where if you yourself are just managing it. Um, like LinkedIn is good because you can target specific companies, you can target specific job titles, but even with that, you would typically need um, a sales navigator um, license, which, um, you know, does cost you something. It's worth it, but there is a cost, a sure. cost involved there. Well, I suppose perhaps something is, you know, using things like 
this webinar, these podcasts that we do, you know, perhaps that's it. Well, I'm I'm glad I could bring something to the conversation in that way, Matthew. (laughs) Fantastic stuff. Um, So so how can contextual targeting be used to reach the right people in each target account? Yeah, so, um, and this is particularly interesting in terms of um, EMEA, because obviously throughout Europe, you've got um, GDPR which um, doesn't allow any cookies. So you can't target specific job titles, um, at least through programmatic advertising. You can do that kind of thing on LinkedIn, but not so much with display. So um, what we recommend is if you are targeting, um, if your product is IT focused, you can then use keywords. uh, So contextual targeting, just to give a background to um, people who may not um, be aware, but contextual targeting essentially means you have a selection of keywords and you want to make sure that your banners, your ads appear next to content that um, includes those keywords. So if you have a cybersecurity product, you want it to appear next to um, content that's about cyber threats uh, or maybe ransomware or, or things like that. So you can use keywords to target your ads next to content that makes sense because um, a strong um, marketing rule is that you have to have a strong flow of messaging from the ad to the landing page to the um, you know the conversion. Like every every single step needs to follow the same theme. So if you put your article on a page that is relevant, if you put your banner next to an article that is relevant to the banner, then it kind of it, it's you're joining the conversation rather than disrupting the conversation. So contextual targeting is also a great way to narrowly focus specific people within a company. It's not it's it's more of an art than a science. You can't mm. guarantee that you will only be targeting IT professionals. Um, you could find that the receptionist just really, you know, enjoys reading about cybersecurity or, you know, <laughs> or like computer viruses, things like that. So you can't exclude them. But um, it, it kind of narrows it down. And what you can do is for the no, the, the the brand awareness campaign, you can use contextual targeting to limit the number of impressions that you're delivering to those companies, which kind of makes it a little bit more affordable. Um, and then once you know that, okay, so the IT department um, within this company is interested in the product, now it's time to reach out and target the, the, um, the finance team who's going to actually sign off on the budget, the, the CEO who kind of has to have buy-in you know, the people who are going to be using the product, you know, everybody, that, the entire buying unit. So you start off with a very narrow contextual campaign. And then once they show intent, you go broader and you target everybody that could influence the decision. Mm, absolutely. So <clears throat> to go back to something you were saying earlier, Matthew, um, mm-hmm. it occurs to me that if you've got the 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 percentage of people who you were you're you know showing intent and though you've got a, a small number of those people but then you're ignoring the 90 percent of people who aren't mm-hmm. showing the intent in your messaging then because presumably it would be easier to personalize the messaging to those people who you're aware of rather than mm. 90 percent who you're not necessarily aware of how how important is it to well, let me rephrase that what would there be because there's going to be a lack of personalization if there's if you're casting a wider net if you like is that going to affect the outcome in any particular way for the better for the worse of that sort of thing do you think um it it, i mean it typically doesn't have as good of an engagement rate 
as mm. the, the ones that you're targeting specifically. So it could be that instead of targeting all of your accounts at once, what you could perhaps um, think of doing is target one industry at a time. And that way you can still target a large number of accounts, but you can tailor the messaging more specifically to that industry. Um, like maybe choose an industry that has the highest revenue, you know, if you actually close the deals and focus on them first. Um, because obviously the more tailored your marketing is, the more successful it will be. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I suppose you, what you could do is you could add a third campaign to that. You could have a very broad campaign where it's just about getting your brand out there so that people recognize your logo, your brand colors and things like that. Then have an industry specific campaign that talks about the products or the pain points. It doesn't even have to talk about your products. It could just be the pain points that that industry typically um, suffers from. And then you have your third campaign where you're like, okay, these are the ones within that industry that are really ready for it. Let's um, let's go for it. And if if you have a lot of money, you could uh, target each individual company with mm. se separate specific messaging. I mean, obviously now that's that's getting quite um, not technical, but it, it becomes a lot of work if you're targeting twenty companies and you want to target each of them with separate messaging. It's possible, mm. but you've got to have the manpower, <laughs> yeah. the time, the budget yeah. to actually give it all. You know, the the amount of effort and thought that it, it deserves. It's possible, but you might have to sacrifice something like, you know, sleep or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. For, for a company like us, we would have to sacrifice the sleep. Our clients have to sacrifice <laughs> the money. <laughs> so so to, if, you, if you're wanting to find out, you know, how you're getting on, if you're improving um, in, in terms of this, how, what, what are the key metrics that you should be focusing on? Um, I mean, I would say... The the key metrics, I mean, the click-through rate is quite quite an important one. Well, I mean, I suppose engagement. Engagement is the key metric because you could be getting your your message out there. You could be getting your brand in front of um, the you know the, the different clients, but if they're not engaging with your brand, then you know, not what's the point because brand awareness does have value in and of itself. But it's kind of like when they start to actually interact with you. Um, that's when you can kind of start tracking that. So that would be the key, because obviously if you've got your your standard campaign that's typical brand awareness, there'll be a lower um, click-through rate, lower engagement. Then as you move them up the funnel or as they show more interest, mm. the click-through rate should increase because the message should resonate with them more. But something I would have to say is that, the, I mean, the key metric would be sales. It, it, it would be kind of like, how many deals have you actually closed? We ran a campaign recently where um, they were targeting um, one company, but across um, about 10 different um, countries. And their their goal, their objective of the campaign was to get forms completed, inquiry forms completed. And throughout the campaign, absolutely zero forms got completed. And now you, you would immediately think, well, that's a failure. You know, that campaign didn't do well at all. However, they got three calls from procurement in three different countries for this account. So they essentially closed three deals, which typically mm. the strategy is, is the, you know, for enterprise type um, products. So if you just get one sale, you've more than covered your, your investment. So it's it boils down to the actual, um, you know, sales or what, what you get out of it in the end. Bearing in mind that um, account-based advertising um, 
it doesn't work in a silo. It doesn't work on its own. It doesn't work in isolation. What it does is it supports all of your other initiatives. So if you've got intent, if you've got all of this information, if you say, okay, so these are the top 10 accounts that are showing interest, hand that over to the sales team. You know, the sales team can mm. now start with their own tactics. They can maybe visit this company and um, set up a, a demo or, you know, things like that. Um, it's it's what account-based advertising does is, yes, it builds brand awareness, but it also gives you a lot of intelligence and a lot of information that you can use for your other channels, for the sales team, um, and in many, many different ways. Now, Matthew, I want to ask you something about regular viewers of you know, essential B2B or B2B sales play, but webinars might not necessarily be surprised that I'm going to ask about this, but I am <laughs> utterly fascinated with AI. Um, mm -hmm. Is there an application for AI when we're considering intent and that sort of thing, or is it not necessarily as relevant in this area we're discussing today? It's not relevant yet, but... I, I would say that um, AI is going to, yeah, I mean, it's going to revolutionize everything, um, I would say. I mean, like, like our system itself has a very complex algorithm behind it, but it's not what I would determine. It's not like a chat GPT type of, of AI. But I would certainly, I would certainly say, I mean, just kind of off the top of my head, thinking to the future, um, you could have a system that gets developed that can identify intent automatically, tailor ads based on the keywords that um, are being used, you, you know, it, and, it, and perhaps even get down to a point where it would tailor the messaging for specific accounts um, mm. based on their activity before. So it's almost like, you know, well, I'd be out of a job. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely... Yeah, that, that's increasingly um, I'm hearing people, is, people are worrying yeah. about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, I, I don't think we're anywhere near that yet, but I do think that as AI um, becomes more acceptable, more advanced, uh, certainly, you know, these, these types of, of functionality and kind of things can be put in, well, probably will end up there. Um, so just, uh, I realize I took us off on a slight tangent there, but I'm, I'm just <laughs> trying to ask everybody I possibly can about AI because I, I, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, what are some strategies for identifying companies most likely to be in market? And then how can they be targeted in a more strategic campaign? Well, so I, like I was mentioning before, the, the, the intent can be used. I mean, there, there are various elements that um, can determine intent. So typically what, what we will look at is we will look at um, the number of clicks that are happen on um, a company's ads, the number of web visits that, um, you know, specific companies, if they're visiting your website, there's clearly intent there. Um, and then also what content they're consuming online. So if they're reading about your competitors or your, um, you know, uh, keywords that are related to your industry or your products, that shows a level of intent, especially like the more, key, you know, the more keywords, the more content that's relevant content that's consumed, the more likely they are to be doing research. So you would have a campaign that's analyzing all of this, giving you all of this data, and then ranking the different accounts, the different companies um, into an, an, an order of most, from most likely to least likely to be interested. And then you funnel them into a separate campaign with a stronger call to action, perhaps tailored to the content they're consuming, 
the web pages that they visited. And so, I mean, like for example, I think this is a good way that um, what account-based advertising can do. It can work with um, Google retargeting or LinkedIn re retargeting or, or Facebook retargeting, where um, you get um, the account-based advertising to drive the traffic to your website. And then the, the companies that visit pages on a specific product, you can then retarget with ads in other platforms. So it's essentially, yeah, retargeting, focusing your messaging, stronger call to action, like maybe it's like um, book a demo. So on your original campaign, it would be more about learn more, you know, kind of like read this interesting article, things like that. But then once they've shown intent, it's more about booking a demo, chat to an expert, um, perhaps even attend attend a webinar, um, yeah, <laughs> things like that, um, which can then kind of move them further down the funnel. There's a very postmodern moment we had there, Matthew, and we're just on a webinar yeah. saying, come to a webinar. So, so uh, Matthew, if there was one key lesson you would like everybody to take away from this discussion that we've had this afternoon, or whatever time it is, wherever you're watching this from, uh, what would that one key piece of advice be? Don't forget about the companies that aren't ready for you yet. Absolutely. I suppose if it is that, you know, the 90% margin that we are estimating, that's still quite a lot of people, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And 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 that 90% is likely to become the 10% at some point. So by the time they become that 10%, you want them to already be thinking about you and know who you are and think you're wonderful um, and be excited to work with you. Fantastic stuff. Matthew Young-Kiss-Green, thank you so much for joining us for this Essential B2B webinar. Thank you, everybody who's watching this, for watching. Uh, and do keep an eye on the Lead Forensic Socials for news of our next webinar. We will see you very, very soon. Thank you again, Matthew. No problem. Thank you. Well, there you go. Matthew Young-Kiss-Green on Winning Back Deals. Thank you very much to Matthew for joining me and thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Essential B2B podcast and give us a five-star rating where possible. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Essential B2B podcast.